0: everybody, welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 455 being recorded on, damn it, June 21st, 21st. 2017. True. I'm Ryan Shrout. I'm Jeremy Holstrom. I'm
1: the uh, newly arrived, after the summer solstice, Josh Wawrish.
2: And I'm Alan Malventano.
0: You don't you, so you got to come up with something uh, elaborate to talk about during your introduction like Josh does.
3: Well, no. to our Australian viewers, happy uh, winter uh, solstice.
0: Yeah. So uh, is right. is it today? Was it? Well, it's it was the the exact last night at day. 10
1: o'clock in Mountain Time. Yeah. Okay. At like 1021. So longest
2: days of the year. Yes. Great. Perfect. Did you determine that Perfect. from the uh, stonehenge you have erected in your backyard? I wouldn't call that erected. I wouldn't call it a Stonehenge. You know what that
0: means.
3: <laughs> uh, <laughs> there are pills and creams for both problems.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, and, if, and if your Stonehenge is erected for more than... more decades, please go see a physician. Yes. Uh, welcome, to sh- welcome to the show, everybody. Let me get the... There we go. Um, so we record this on Wednesday nights, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern at pcper.com slash live. You can come... Uh watch the live stream, hang out in the chat room and talk with us uh and make fun of us and all those types of things. Actually as I say that I make sure I have my chat client open. Um uh, and of course we have our Patreon campaign uh continuing to run at patreon.com slash PC Uh you go there, this is your uh place to recurringly contribute on a monthly basis to us. It could be a dollar a month or three dollars or five dollars or ten or fifty or a thousand dollars a month, whatever you think we're worth. Um Did always you say round fifty thousand dollars? <laughs> yeah. $50,000, okay. 50 or a thousand. What's that like? Three Bitcoin, 50,000 or two, uh, all And when in, when in doubt roundup, um, and, uh, uh, as is always the case, we, we greatly appreciate all the, uh, Patreon supporters. We have anybody who becomes a new supporter or increases their contribution during the show, gets a call out on the show with whatever they happen to put in for their name, uh, in that particular place. We don't have any, uh, any set up here yet. So we'll move on from that. Um, we have a another interesting thing to talk about. We, um, of course, that's not running. Uh, we had a, uh, a a discussion at the end of the podcast last week about My laptop just crashed. <laughs> Coin mining and how you might be able to donate into our uh, uh, system in, in a way that doesn't involve direct monetary contributions. It was inter- this is kind of like an interesting social experiment for us as well. It's like donating
2: your GPU power.
0: Yes. So um, you know, it, it's it's we we talked last week about the idea of of the revitalization of mining and all that. We don't have to go into that. Uh, in any more great length. But if you have a, a GPU, and it could be anything from an RX 460, 480, 580, to a GTX you know, 1060, 1080 mm-hmm. Ti, maybe you got five 1080 Ti's in a system for whatever reason, um, mm, if, if you want okay. to, and and this is obviously, it's, everything is still optional here, if you go to this story that we have at PCPro.com, the title of it is Donate to the PC Perspective Mining Pool, a nice hash how-to that Ken put together for us. Uh, It will walk you through the setup process, which is really very simple. You download an application. You run it. It benchmarks your GPU. You put in this uh, very long code here that is the Bitcoin wallet associated with the site. Um, And then you say, tell it to start running, right? And you can have it run only at idle. You can just run it. You know, you can manually do it if you want and say, I'm leaving for work in the morning and start it up. And it will run for eight or nine hours while you're uh, there. And it basically uses your extra GPU cycles to donate to PC Perspective. Maybe you don't want to sign up for Patreon. Maybe you don't want to have to worry about, uh, uh, you know, that extra charge on your credit card or whatever it happens to be. Uh, but you think this is uh, another option for you. We uh, love to have it. I think, it's, I think it'd be interesting just to kind of watch how – Things go like what times of day, nights things are doing. How when much he,
3: compute power we can get? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just like, like as it, as a number is interesting.
0: It would, it would be interesting yeah. to see, even if people who are watching the live stream just download it and do it like while we're running. I guess does that does that impact their system stability if they do it while we're.
3: Your video playback might go to crap. Yeah. It mm, might. Yeah, might. And, and that application has might be hard to the, hear us over the water of the fans, too. <laughs> it's true. The, uh, yeah, the application
0: sure good, has a check, has has an optional in there for, uh uh like, only use only enable it when I've been idle for five minutes or ten minutes. Or you yeah. can set whatever you want.
2: I think the default is, is, like, setting, one minute or something. Might be a little bit too low.
0: That's a little aggressive. Yeah, a little it aggressive. It is a little aggressive. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, it's a super simple process. It's there's there's nothing uh, in our opinion that is kind of um, you know gray market or black market about it, or, or kind of like I don't know what I'm trying to say. Something that seems like you're just, doing
2: something illegal by no, coin just, mining or something like that. In case people are worried about it, it's just, just math. You're just you're donating math. Uh, math to a to like a marketplace sort of, and then just it pays <laughs> out to a Bitcoin account. Yeah. You're giving us your math homework. Yeah, basically. Your GPU could do your math homework for you. Right. Yeah. But then we benefit from
0: that. Map. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, and, Win-win. And it's worth noting um, th- it will cost you electricity. That's true. Roughly 7 to 10% of the value that you're mining at, depending on your card and efficiency and all that type of stuff. So I don't want yeah. you to think that it's completely for free, but it's no more than if you were running Folding at Home or Boink or... Yep. You know, any of those other things. Or just playing games. Or just playing games, right, continuously. Um, so that that's uh, another option for you. I, everybody, welcome to do it. We're going to watch it and see kind of what, if anything happens. And maybe one person will do it. Maybe 100 people will do it. I don't know. We'll just have to find out. Yeah.
2: I think and, it'll and be And uh, as, be as, as it starts to get cooler towards the winter, like, you know, you can we can help you. That's uh, true. We can help you heat your house. The offset of the electric cost is the... Less heating, you yes. have to do. I was looking forward
0: to that as opposed to the months of July and August. Yes, <laughs> as well. Um, so, anybody who wants to check that out, that is again, just go to pcper.com. There's a story uh, called Donate to the PC Perspective Mining Pool, and it's a nice hash kind of walkthrough. Oh, cool. Um, so, now let's get into things that actually occurred. This week, uh, two pretty substantial processor releases. We're going to start with the Intel Core i9-7900X. This is the Skylake X platform. It launched on Monday, uh, but we have been talking about it forever, right? We, we talked about the leaks coming through. We talked about um, when Intel made like their announcement without benchmarks. Basically, we're at the point now where we can talk to you about benchmarks. Pre-orders went up, and it will start shipping on the 26th of June, right? So the only it, processor it, wait, wait. Go ahead. just
2: one CPU which which model?
0: Uh well, the all of the so from the 7900X and below
2: okay, are so, available for
0: pre-order and will ship on the 26th. So the middle
2: of the chart to the right.
0: Yes, so okay. as you look at this, 10 cores and below. Gotcha. 10 cores and fewer. Okay. Um the 12 core will be in August. I think I was told, yeah, uh-huh. and then the 1214, I'm sorry, the 141618 will be in October. Okay. Right. Um, so we talked about the specs. We don't really have to go through all this. This is the 7900X is the 10 core part, 10 core, 20 thread, uh, comparable to. Actually, if I go down to this table down here, this might be a little bit more beneficial. Uh, oops. The um, 7900X compares to the Core i7 6950X from Broadwell E, uh, which those are both 10 core parts. And if you look at the specs, you'll see, you know, the base clock is 300 megahertz higher now. Um, the turbo boost clock is 800 megahertz higher. And the Turbo Turbo Boost, uh, Turbo Boost Max 3.0, is 500 megahertz higher. And sure. that can actually work with two cores instead of just one. Um, you know, the cache actually is lower, but that's, that's L3 cache, LLC. You actually get more L2 cache in that, in, that, in that deal. Memory performance goes up. You get four more lanes of PCIe. Uh, TDP is the same, although that's kind of baloney, uh, as we'll talk about at the end of this discussion. And, and, but the price is important, too. When the 6950X launched, it launched at $1,700. Now it's $999 for the 7900X. Still a ton of money. Sweet. Don't get me wrong. $1,000 yep. for a CPU is but still a almost, ton of money. It's almost
2: half off, though.
0: Yeah, but it's 999 Yeah. Our favorite How cool number. That?
2: Yeah. is that? Yeah. It is.
0: Also worth noting on that table, I threw the Cabby Lake part in there, the 7700K. Yep. Um, just so you get a sense, right? So the, the, the clock speeds of the 10-core part, are, can actually hit like the turbos are close, right? Yeah. Now the base clock is definitely you know it's nine hundred megahertz lower, so that's that's important to note. Um, but in my testing, I, mean, I never saw three point three as anything that was a sustained clock level. Is
2: it just a matter of you know can you keep it cool enough?
0: I like? mean, yeah, to a certain degree, yes. But the the Intel algorithms are more are, are less sophisticated than that. They yeah. tend to just kind of like I think I think the all core turbo is it's four gigahertz on this okay right whereas the all four turbo on um the 7700k i believe is 4.3 right
3: so there's okay. so almost like with all these numbers i should publish that one
2: yeah i mean with all
3: these turbo boosts and
2: stuff. yes agreed so, like what is the what's the difference between the, the boost 2 and the boost max three? so then? turbo boost
0: like, 2.0 is just maximum single threaded clock speed right But then Max 3.0 is two cores. No, 3.0 started with a 6950X product. It is one of the cores is your most favorite core, and it can go higher than all the other cores. But I thought they changed that to two cores now. It is, but it's still called Max 3.0. Now it's called Improved Turbo Max 3.0.
2: But it's confusing that you would have Boost 2, which is just one core, be at a lower clock rate than Boost Max 3. Which is actually two cores now.
0: So basically the 4.3 could, is, applies to all 10 cores. Oh. Right? Okay. Not all 10 running at once, but all 10 have the capability to run at 4.3. Briefly. Briefly. Okay. Yeah. Whereas the 4.5 number is That's your the thing. two most favorite cores that they have selected at manufacturing, right, will be, we'll be able to hit 4.5.
2: So the boost to was the thing that relied more on like the heat capacity of like the heat spreader and stuff. Like so it could yes. burst. But again, I don't think it was deterministic.
0: Per system, I think it was determined at production time yeah. and kind yeah, of yeah, it's like set. a coded in yeah, like yeah, yeah. we
2: know. That but we that can, was the,
0: that's the goal. Yeah, it's right. Like, we can they, run this fast for this yeah. many
2: seconds in a row, you know, in a short burst just to yep. get something done quick.
4: Is, is it sort of like a validated silicon lottery on a core? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So kinda. they basically
0: they I don't I don't know what they do at the, at the you know production facility, but they basically run a test on all ten cores. They they used to determine which one was had probably the least leakage at some voltage, right? Mm. Uh, and now they just do that to two of them. Okay. Okay. So Makes sense. in theory, if you have two loaded single-thread workloads, uh, they would both run at 4.5 gigahertz, oh. as opposed to previously you'd have one running at 4.5 and one running at 4. Yeah. And if you have three heavily loaded single-threaded workloads, you'd have
2: 4.5, 4.5, and 4.0. Oh. Make overclocking interesting.
0: Not, not really, because most of the time when you're doing overclocking, you're you just doing all
2: cores. You just turn all that crap oh, like off All anyway. cores,
0: Yeah. So yeah. um, new, from new tech, we've got AVX 512. We talked about that. The rebalancing of the cache hierarchy, we talked about that. Uh, it is interesting now that I could show numbers to give you graphs like this. Um, we, we haven't talked
3: about the cache hierarchy stuff, I don't think.
0: We talked about the redistribution of the capacity, I think, but not the latencies, which, which we'll we, talk about here. So the, the redistribution of cash, essentially what they did was – read the story for more detail. They, they are now um, focusing on more exclusive cash per core and less global shared cash per die. Right? Okay. So we used to have uh, 256K of L2 cash per core. Now you have one meg of L2 cash per core. Right. And you can kind of see that, I think, in this diagram here. Right. So on the left is the previous, is the Broadwell-E. You can see they, they shrink the shared LLC uh, in order to expand the local L2 cache, basically prioritizing single-threaded, um, perf- not single-threaded performance, but single-threaded workloads, m- more, uh, what do you call it, like thread occupancy in one thread, like data occupancy yeah. in one thread. you have a larger cache available to to that threat to that threat right yeah
2: um, data locality there you go yeah. thank you that's what you, you want you. you want stuff closer to the core right you want a
0: bigger pantry so basically oh, what that comes down to is you know they're they're looking at workloads how workloads are changing over time and then same thing on GPUs right they kind of rebalance things yeah. as architectures improve and this is this is that it's just interesting because skylake the non-x the consumer version yep. this is different than that yep right so this they're, they're, there there there's a more fundamental architectural change from Skylake to Skylake X than there was from, like, Broadwell to Broadway E. Right? Okay. Right? Just kind of interesting to note. Uh, this graph is interesting because as a result of those cache changes, what you'll see is, like, the L2 cache is, you know, maybe a little bit faster uh, to about the same. But the L3 cache, late average latency is now lower. Mm. Or, uh, is now it's longer, longer. Yeah. Right? It's slower. Um, and you can see that in this graph, right? So if you look at the first three... The blue, red, and green are the 7900X, the new one, running at three different memory speeds, DDR4-2400, 2800, and 3200, and it decreases, right? If you look at the L3 on the right there, from 33, 32, 31 uh, nanoseconds. It's, it's, not, clocks, a, it's not
2: a huge jump over the previous generation.
0: Well, I mean, so keeping in mind that the comparison is the blue bar to the purple bar. You're going from yep. 33 clocks
2: to 26, Yeah. right? Um, it's, it's, it's noticeable. Right, right, but the counter is that each core has more cache. Correct. Yeah, right. So it shouldn't have to do so that. So what's what's right?
0: interesting is we don't have to go through, like they basically moved from a ring architecture to a mesh architecture. We did talk about that last week, right? Yes. Because yeah, we, we were we able touched to, on we that, that talk part. about that. Yeah. Um, and so that is that is part of uh, where these performance deltas come into play. It's just kind of the restructuring of the cache, you know the the L3 cache. A portion of L3 cache is now attached to each core, and and, and at most two jumps to get to anything, but um, slightly further away on that on that individual mesh network. We talked about Max Boost 3.0. Uh, you can see that kind of at work. Um, they enabled speed shift on this part, which doesn't sound like something that's super necessary on desktop parts. Uh, but if you look at this graph, especially this bottom one here, which is a zoom in of the one above it, you'll basically see that. Uh, actually, we'll start with this one. The green bar, which is the sixty-nine fifty X Broadwell, had no iteration of speed shift in it. It takes um, over two hundred and fifty milliseconds to get to its top clock speed. Okay. Right? It's clock, Its top clock speed is lower, but we're not. Um, whatever it is, it takes over two hundred and fifty milliseconds, which is a quarter of a second. Right? It's yep. it's a pretty long time in computers and in processor. Uh, speed. That's that's an eternity. The blue line is Skylake X, the new part. It gets there uh, to its top speed, which is much higher in under 50 milliseconds. That's
2: a pretty big difference.
0: Big difference. Now, but if you look at Cabulake, Lake, it was improved even further, and they're more optimized for the the the, yeah. the consumer I that, parts. I remember
2: that being one of their and, and talking
0: Yeah, points. if you zoom in here, it's like it's just over five milliseconds. Yeah, to jump up there. So you still get a big improvement. So the idea is responsiveness will improve. Slightly, if you're running in like balance mode on a PC, uh, and and you take advantage of something like this, so it's just something easy that kind of kind of works to your advantage there. And then uh, touching on the latency stuff again, this is kind of a a return to our uh, thread to thread latency discussions that we had a lot around Mm Ryzen. They change quite a bit with Skylake X. So this graph here shows ping times between thread zero. And all logical cores after that. Yep. Right. Some of them I can see go up 19 for the 20 core parts, go up to 15 for the 16 core parts and only up to seven for the eight core part. So, uh, what you see there is in the bottom left of that, where the, uh, logical core one is the communication from logical core zero to one. It yep. turns out they're on the same core. They're just, that's the hyper threading communication. So they're sharing L2 cache. Boom. Your latency is incredibly low, Yep. right? When you go up above that, you're basically going into, uh, L3 cache immediately for Intel parts, uh, which is why you get to jump up to two, and it's kind of consistent all the way across the board. So notice the green line, which is the Core i 9 X x DDR4-2400, which all these tests run at, is over 100 milliseconds. Nanoseconds, not milliseconds, holy crap. Yeah, 100 <laughs> nanoseconds <laughs> of L3 uh, latency from any
2: thread, from any one core to any other core. Yep. It's basically just like... One virtual or logical processor trying yep. to send a message to another one.
0: But the Broadwell-E and even back to 596X's Ivy Bridge-E, right? Uh, uh, as well Haswell-E, yeah, yeah. yeah, sorry. Um, those are pretty much the same. They kind of hover around 80 nanoseconds yep. of that. The, the, the cache structure was not altered in those. But you can see what the change that Intel has done with Skylake-X does. Like you go from 80 to 100 nanoseconds of L3 latency. So it's going to have an impact in in some places. Um, look at the four core, the seventy seven hundred K at the bottom, the dark blue line that is the shortest. Um, its L three latency is just over forty nanoseconds. Mm-hmm. It's still using the ring bus; doesn't have the mesh, uh, but it has the fewest stops on that ring bus. Yeah. So it's, therefore, it's a, it's a small ring. Yeah. The latency, the average latency to get around is is lower. Now the 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 lighter blue line is the Ryzen part, and you can see we have you know the L two cache is 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 slower than the Intel one. Mm-hmm. Um, you jump up to a little bit for halfway. That's when you're on the same CCX, uh, and your latency is 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 on par with 7700K, and then you get this big jump up to about 140 when you go up to then cross to CCX across. communication. Yep. We've gone over that before. So basically, the point of this graph, which took a long time to get to, is that the the L three performance on Skylake X is worse mm-hmm. uh, than Ryzen, and we assume Threadripper yep. um, for the it, one until the CCXs are expanded past. And yep. then the AMD architecture, the Zen architecture, is at the, is at the bigger deficit. Yep. And then
2: and then I mean, if,
0: and you can actually improve performance, interestingly, yep. by increasing memory speed.
4: Threadripper and Epic, they got two and four CCX. So that miss – that No, they have four and eight. Four and eight, my, my bad. Uh, so that inner CCX latency hit will yeah. come up more unless they keep
0: – Well, it will it, be the same. I mean it will be just you're extending the line up top further out to the right, right. Right. So a I assume, having not tested it, that the thread ripper part will just be that light blue line will go all the way out to 15. Right. You hope. Or no, we're already we at 15. Hope. It'll yeah. go out
2: to... <laughs> it'll go out further, but it'll, it'll go still
0: be the same. It should latency. still be the same The latency. It should be the same. Yeah. It, unless something occurs for the die-to-die communication that I don't know about yet. Yeah.
2: Right, because it's two die. But I think what Alex was talking about is that... It, uh, it's the, the area Intel parts, the curve. But the Intel part, Like the... The Intel parts have larger caches per... core, right? Now? Of L2?
0: Cases.
2: Yeah. Yes. So... Unless you had a specific workload that was trying to communicate core-to-core, any given thread should hopefully not have to make that jump that takes longer.
0: Yes, in theory. Yes, right? correct.
2: So, Because you could look at this... Increasing
0: in- the L2 cache would, in theory, allow you to do that. But, I mean, yeah. we, I mean, we'll talk about it in a second when we look at the gaming results. Sometimes you could probably increase that L2 cache as much as you want. It doesn't matter. If you have multi-threading going on... And those threads need to cross-communicate. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, matter how big, how big your L2 cache is. Yeah, because yeah. Um, yeah, physics. I mean, still got to invalidate and right.
2: scrub. And right. you for, to, fortunately yeah. for Intel, there's already some game developers working on fixes for it
0: is. Uh, <laughs> so core, so core I'll, latency. I'll, I'll skip this graph, but you can improve it with uh, memory speed and increasing the cache speed on there. Essentially, like the mesh frequency on it, you can improve it, but it doesn't improve it. Uh, super dramatically yeah. Uh, we did use the asus board on this Uh, i'm going to skip ahead to those gaming results oops one page too many um because we're talking about it so the ryzen 10 ap gaming scenario is slightly brought back to life here with Skylake x to a lesser degree right if you look at these graphs the red bar is let me make sure the red bar is a 79 7900x the blue bar is a 6950 Green is the 7700K, and purple is the Ryzen 1800X. So what you'll see is, inevitably, the red bar is lower than the blue bar, or is even or below. Yep. Uh, and sometimes, like the Civilization six benchmark, it's substantially lower. Far Cry Primal is substantially lower. Um, and then even in, like, Hitman, Rise of the Tomb Raider, GTA Five, it's a little bit slower. And keep in mind, that's with a significant frequency increase as well. 7900X is running, you know, 300, 500 megahertz faster than hmm. the 6950X. Um,
2: so, so, it's there, like, so it's like the speed increase is kind of countered. In this particular workload. In gaming workloads. In, in, in some cases. Like yeah. Far Cry Primals and, and Civ Six are
0: exceptions to that. Yeah. Uh, and then you look at a game like Deus Ex Human Revolution that is clearly has no CPU bottleneck in place. Because right. it's the same across the board. You know, a more um, like reasonable example might be something like Rise of the Tomb Raider or Great GTA. Right, where um, uh, Cabby Lake is faster than... Broadwell E is faster than Skylake X. Yeah. That's kind of the conclusion you come to. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. So it's it's super ironic that all of the discussion that built up about Ryzen and and kind of how its cache latency affected these particular gaming workloads and then the, the work that developers are doing to... Mm-hmm. try to alleviate some of that directly applies to this product and you know Intel sitting there the whole time going oh jesus like we've got we're
2: gonna have to we're gonna have to deal with this like
0: rooting for amd to maybe come out with those fixes well, you know? i think
2: i think they were they were saying oh jesus like before ryzen came out and like and there was a big push from from AMD they're side. saying, "Oh
3: Jesus!" And then they kind of broke the ice with Ryzen. They went, eh, "Yeah, this like will be a lot easier story to yeah, tell now." Yeah.
0: Like, but but it, but it's it's a it's a totally open door now for you know the AMD engineers and the AMD fans kind of go, "Ha ha, see, it's not it wasn't just us, right?" Now there's a lot of talk that goes into why I mean, Intel did it versus why AMD did it.
2: They are no still doing. Intel did they it. are still doing better than Ryzen in a lot of these. The same. Yes,
0: yes, like, the so. the yes the. The argument is is there, but it's also
2: true that it's you know five hundred dollars more expensive processor. Yes. But
0: whatever you get into, like the top available yeah. AMDs on, on the
2: flip side for the cost, Ryzen looks pretty damn good. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's yeah.
0: just it's interesting to see that kind of recycled out. Yep. Um, I, I'm gonna. We've talked about this too long. Overclocking was great. Well, overclocking was pretty good. We were able to get up to four point six gigahertz all cores, um, all the time. Yeah, full full time four point six gigahertz. Uh, at 1.28 for, volts.
2: For a 10-core board, that's pretty good.
0: But we hit 100C several times. and This is oh. with a 240-mil all-in-one cool. That's, that's again. maybe
3: a little bit. <laughs> again, but I will say,
0: Again, it's 10 cores. I will just say saying. it ran at that longer than I would have like thought. To the point Start where I was like, like I just don't know. feel like this is – I'm not comfortable with this anymore. So I kind of decided to scale back. It went <laughs> down to 1.24 and 4.5 gigahertz. And we, we were able to sustain at like 83C. Okay, that's a okay. little more so, uh, and I and I'm comfortable with that and right. that was that's with, like, like a
2: reasonable temperature right but you were at 100 C unlike on, that dual, uh, dual now Rad so, water cooler yeah
0: now oh, it's it, it, it spiked up there and then the fans would spin up and it would cool down oh. right but it, it wasn't running sustained over 100C. It was like 98, but it was close enough. <laughs> Still. Uh, I, I think I actually saw a number like 113 show yeah. up once. Now, it's, I don't know how instantaneous that is, right? You know, it's, it's the, the, the temperature monitoring
2: stuff through ASUS's software. Listen, the Optane it's is... enough to make you go,
3: well, maybe not. Yeah. Well, only the
2: Optane stuff is supposed to do phase change, not the CPUs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, so, long story short on this general performance, single-threaded performance is better like, so let's take gaming out of it. Everything else. Like, if you look at this Audacity benchmark, that's pretty impressive because the single-threaded performance of this 10-core part now matches the single-threaded performance of the
2: 7700K because
0: of those clock speed changes we saw. Yeah. Right? But when you look at – uh,
2: Is the IPC basically the same, like, clock speed uh, clock compared to little, Cabby Lake?
0: It's a tiny bit.
2: Like a percent or two or something Yeah, probably. like almost nothing. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, Actually, it may actually be nothing. Yeah, no, I think. I mean, you might get some but because look, there's,
2: there's more but if you look
0: at, say, like one of the yeah. So here's another version, right? It's Cinebench single threaded. The 7900 X at 10 cores is now matching the 7700 K, which is a little bit higher. But yeah. when you look at multi threading, it still has this advantage over the previous 10 core as well. So again, taking the 1080P gaming stuff out of it, this this seems to be the instance where. Intel actually did what they wanted to do last generation, which was provide like one processor that was the best single threaded performance you could get and the best multi threaded performance yeah. you could get, right? So at the same time, at the same time, right? And so it depends on what your workloads are and all that type of stuff. Uh, but it, but it works really well again outside of that that one use case. Um, it's
2: looking like the ten core will probably end up being kind of that sweet spot there. I don't know.
0: Like we hear, what I'm curious when, is when we get to twelve
2: the, and fourteen cores, like now you're getting to the point where you're just but, making so much heat, but Keep in mind, they could easily do the same single core up to the same, For if, sure. it's, if it's single core, right? The single core, yeah, but the, I don't think you're going to get like you know, 4.6 gigahertz on all cores on the 18-core. Oh,
0: overclocking-wise, no, I wouldn't, think, I mean? so. I wouldn't like, think so. And I but think it might still be the, be- it, you know, it's still going to be better stock multi-threaded performance. That's, yeah. what, that's what I'm interested in. Will they be able to maintain that, hey, this is the best single-threaded performance you can get? And the best multi threaded performance you could get is you go up to 12, 14,
2: 16, 18. It'd be interesting we'll, to see. Will be
0: able to scale in that way?
2: I'd like to see if they can somehow, you know, if you took the 18 core part and the 10 core part and had them side by side and you ran a 10 thread or a 10 core workload or whatever. Yeah. Right. Like, would both parts be equal? Or yeah, would the 18 core know. part actually be slower because yeah. its clocks were, you know? I don't know. Interesting.
0: Uh, the, 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 uh, uh, Caveat to all this is power. Yeah, both these parts are supposed to be 140 watt TDPs. Okay. Uh, the 6950X, this is running Cinebench uh, 15, you know, multi-threaded workload. The, the new part draws more than 70 watts extra power, and nobody can tell me why yet. ASUS doesn't know why, but they they swear oh. they're not doing anything to affect
2: over its voltages. TDP.
0: No. Over the 6950X. Oh. The 7900X draws 70 watts more, more than 70 watts extra over the previous generation right. part. But what's it rated at, is my question. They're rated at the same TDP. Which is what number? 140. This is a total system power. You're not looking at.
2: Oh. Well, so still, just just note the, the, the delta between the two. I don't That's think the, the motherboard just drew an extra 70 watts.
0: Well, the, the 7900X is a higher clock, isn't it? It's at a higher clock, yes. And so in theory, they're pushing more voltage through the die to get... Oh, sure. But but that's a significant difference. And yeah. Intel has come to me, and I showed all these numbers to Intel, and they're like, mm, that's not what we're seeing. And I'm like, well, what am I doing wrong? Like, I, I'm using the motherboard that you provided me for yeah. testing. Yeah. And every other reviewer that I see that tested power this way sees the same thing. Even those reviews that leaked out early. Yeah. right. They see the same, like, 70 to 80 watts additional power. So. It's possible that maybe like a BIOS fix or something and like there's just something in there where it's, it's, it's drawing more power than it needs to get to those clock speeds for that I long guess. or something. I don't know. But really that's, that's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, so we've got performance per dollar. You know, it's a $1,000 part, so it's going to be hard to justify it. But again, if you look at something like compared to the last generation $1,700 CPU, you'll see it's more than double the performance per dollar. In single threaded, it's more it's almost double the performance per dollar in multi-threaded. Um, that's that's pretty good. Right. Yeah. Despite the fact that we don't know what thread is gonna be, and we don't know what its performance per dollar is gonna look like. Um, Intel has has improved things on this generation in terms of performance and and price scalability. So that was an incredibly long discussion, almost a monologue about the seventy-nine hundred X. Does anybody have any questions to uh to put to me. When are they available? Uh, June 26th.
3: I think it might be exactly what we expected from this launch. <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm more surprised that the single threaded performance is that much better. I would yeah. say that because that, that's an eight, there's an 800 megahertz Delta between, uh, <laughs> yeah. E and Skylake yeah, X on single threaded performance. Yeah. And so that I think is impressive. Um, that they were able to kind of tweak it in enough ways to, to get that to happen. Um, but, but yeah, otherwise, like the multi thread stuff is it makes sense. The the boost you see there makes sense. Um, you know, we've we've known about the pricing and all that for a while. Uh, we have a Cabby, Lakes part in, Cabby Lake X part in. We're going to test that. We'll talk about it next week or the week after, probably next week. Uh, so I'm not going to dive into any of that stuff today. But um, and we'll talk more about the platform once we get a little bit more time under us with that too. So
4: the next couple of months are going to be really.
0: interesting. You're not going into that.
4: The next couple months will be very interesting. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Thread Ripper is going to come out, and it's going to be at some performance level and some price. And Intel's going to either look really bad again or look okay. And I just have no idea. Yeah, I just, I just don't know. It all depends on. Like we can, you can guesstimate the pricing or the performance rather. Mm-hmm. You can probably guesstimate the pricing. Well, you can, but roughly, but, you know, <laughs> the difference of uh thirteen hundred dollars for the the highest core part versus $800 for the highest score part is significant. And then you got to measure all the other workloads because IPC is still going to go to Intel, right? Yeah. Like nothing, nothing is changing fundamentally about either of these things. So, um, we'll see if, how big of a splash Lisa wants to make <laughs> with these parts. How, how far do you go down that rabbit hole? So i uh, check make out it the up in volume. Yeah. Make it up. In yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, we're selling these at a loss. Make it up in volume. Uh, so, okay. Damn it. That was a lot of stuff. So I apologize. Um, but hey, speaking of processors, AMD Epic. probably Never the, heard of it. Probably the best slash worst name for a Unfortunately,
3: it's growing on me, which is the worst because it's an awful name. At the yeah.
0: presentations I was at, I bet I heard. Were there a lot of puns? At, probably at least 10 from AMD or ah, partners. Grumble, We're grumble, ready grumble. for an epic launch.
1: Uh, yeah, you know when we thought Athlon was bad back in the day. <laughs> what <in> the <laughs> hell calls a CPU Athlon?
0: What the hell does that Athlon even mean? Athlon just sounded like then... you had a lisp all the time. <laughs> well, That's yeah. what that was. So really quickly, we, we again we talked about Epic for a while too, and what its what its capabilities were. Now we know it's the AMD Epic seven thousand series. They've got model numbers, uh, thirty two cores, eight gigs uh, or eight channels of DDR four memory up to 2 terabytes of memory per cpu because uh you have 16 dimms per socket. Jesus. Right. I saw a motherboard with two sockets and 32 dimms <laughs> and it's it's you can literally not it's put just anything a wall else. Of DIMMs. Yeah, it it was, it was it was hilarious looking. 128 lanes of PCIe per um per processor um and uh, we've talked a lot about that. So the clock speeds are interesting, right? So if you look at the top end part, the 7601, it's like a $4200 cpu keep in mind guys I talking about server and data center on this base clock of 2.2 boost clock of 3.2 so a, a pretty big wide jump there not obviously not as high as the eight core that gets up to four gigahertz or anything like that but still pretty impressive for 32 cores on one socket i'm just picturing the number sheer number of pins just for eight channels of edr this package like is what 4096 is if it, it's over four thousand pins
2: <laughs> and, and the socket is enormous, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's pictures of uh, was Elisa holding up the CPU. And yeah, it's like it's like as big as her freaking hand is. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. So I'm not going to run through the specs. You can read the table for yourself. Um, so they're doing comparisons to Broadwell E-based Xeon <coughs> parts, anywhere from 47% to 70% faster, um, comparing like similar price point parts. So the four thousand, the greater than four thousand dollar. Epic part versus the greater than $4,000 Xeon part, mm-hmm. Xeon 2699v4. Uh, if you don't follow the Xeon product line, which is incredibly complex, um, these numbers may or may not make any sense. It's, it's, work, it's Xeon worth Xeon knowing. numbering is a mess. Don't awesome. worry. They're
3: going to be called Xeon Platinum soon. Yeah, I know. So, Great. You know. It doesn't matter.
0: They still have the same four-digit numbers to go along with. Oh, it. do they? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, the important thing here is the performance metrics that AMD showed were spec INT and spec-fp. It's literally the only performance data we got now. That's in, th- those are important synthetic numbers for server and data center workloads, Yeah. right? Uh, but we do not yet know exactly in real world testing what the differences are going to be. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, AMD had a lot of partners come up. They had HP. They had Dell. Um, you know, they had Supermicro. They had uh, software guys at Microsoft from a, a Azure come up there and talk about them using that stuff. So they, they have a, lot, a significant amount of partner support up front. So um, their, their, their rollout on this is single socket and two socket. They even have, they have specific one socket processors. And there's a significant push with this idea uh, because apparently, I didn't know this uh, about the enterprise market, but there's a ton of 2P servers that exist with just one socket filled. Because they're doing storage on it or yep. they're doing you know, some, some other like GPU compute on it. And they don't need the other processing power. They don't need the extra memory channels. Mm-hmm. Um, and and AMD has built a, like, a significantly better part for this particular thing, right? So targeting <laughs> one socket, uh, but you don't lose memory channels. Well, you do lose. Because if, if you're a two socket, you've got 16 channels, essentially, mm-hmm. but you get eight yep. full channels, but you don't lose any PCIe. If you have a two socket um, uh, Xeon motherboard, Half those PCI Express slots are coming from one processor and half are coming from the other. We see right. that with our systems when we're working with them out here, right? Depending on which socket you have populated determines which PCIe slots. And how is it mm-hmm. for the Enable. other architecture then? This is 128 lanes of PCIe, whether or not it's a one-socket system or, or a two-socket system.
2: Oh, because if it's a two-socket, then half of the lanes are just to Communication communicate with the other forth. CPU. Yeah, yeah.
3: Huh. So you don't lose any PCIe. We saw but you a don't so- gain any as well. Right. Correct. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if 128 oh. isn't enough... You don't have the possibility. Well, Which, I mean, 120 is a ridiculous number that yeah. could only possibly be enough. On but. a, a two-socket system for Xeon, you're currently limited to 40 plus 40. So you get 80. Yeah, but they have four-sockets Xeons.
0: They do, yeah. With so E7s. The, but you're, you're, sure, we're, sure, again, sure. we're talking about the two-socket. Because when you get four sockets in a system, you're not putting PCI Express devices <laughs> in that, right? Not really. Like Yeah. Not normally, I guess I, I would say. Um,
4: it's and, and if you're looking for that kind of compute density, you're going to be moving to a blade server anyway.
3: Uh, As I mean, to going yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah. If if you need that much, if you need that many, that much I/O, it's probably a task that can be parallelized. So I'm gonna scroll right on this. I brain. saw this yeah. demo of uh, a storage
0: configuration with a one socket server. <laughs> it had twenty four, Lord, in uh, twenty four NVMe SSDs in by four PCIe three point So it was using ninety six. Is that right? Yeah, ninety six lanes of PCI Express. Yep. Using uh, software RAID, yeah, right. Some kind of software defined storage, distro. yeah. Because was FIO was the benchmark that okay. they were running. Yeah. Uh, nine million IOPS read, seven point one million IOPS write, and up to fifty three point three gigabytes per second of bandwidth on this. Yeah, and he was like, and I got thirty two lanes of PCI Express left if I want to put in two. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to put in two MI twenty five, you know, uh, Radeon Instinct compute cards, What can use that, yeah. what can use all of that.
3: Memory. Yeah.
2: I mean, with, with, <laughs> w- with that many IOPS, you're running into like, you know, you're running out of CPU power for. So, like, so actually, uh, here's the answer for that.
0: Um, under the max IOPS, uh-huh. they were on their 7601 32 core processor, they're about 75% CPU utilization. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, if they use the their, rest of those. Under max bandwidth, they're at about 50% utilization is 4K versus 128K like so there's less CPU yeah, load yeah, at it the 128
2: even lower than that for sequential That's, that's what but, I was told.
0: So they had a 76.8 terabyte NVMe RAID array running at those at those performance So levels. cheap
3: too. That's the weird part.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's funny when you get into configurations like that the processor is such an insignificant portion of the cost of the system. That's true. Right? The processor uh, is
2: just a traffic cop at that point yeah. if you if you're doing a storage server. Right.
0: Right, right. But like the way Xeon um, uh, differentiates their products, like the cheaper parts don't have the, the PCIe lines, they don't have the security features, they mm-hmm. don't have some of that stuff. AMD is was very upfront about like every Epic processor will have the same eight channels of DDR, it will have the same 128 lanes of PCIe, it would have the same security features, really, all the way down the stack. Down to how many cores? Like uh, down to a, eight. A, down to just an so eight. They core? have an eight core part, which is an interesting interesting discussion because. Uh, if you look at we, we, didn't really learn a whole lot about Infinity Fabric, but we did. They did give us some bandwidth numbers about, like so, uh, a thirty-two core. Well, all Epic processors are four dies.
3: Right. So the thirty-two so they cores, have two on the eight-core ones. Yes, two per die.
0: So what they've done is, in order to get their yields extremely high, yeah, basically an eight-core processor has two. This is even more. They have one core per CCX <laughs> operating. That's brilliant. It's so there's a potential because that means now literally every, every single thread to thread communication has to go through its L3. Unless eight. it's a hyper thread or a, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 Correct. Yeah. Unless it's it's part of the SMT. Yeah. Um, so, but for certain operations
3: that's fine. So but it's
0: Depending interesting like doing.
2: servers wouldn't typically yeah. need to bounce core to core like for server like Yeah. You know what yeah, I
4: mean? servers are usually inherently paralyzable. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. Like each okay. thing is each each thread is going to be
4: doing each core is going to
2: be doing its own thing. Yeah. And not having to interact really with other cores. Because I mean, if you think about it, like you are not gaming on a server. An core <laughs>
0: processor in this platform is really just it is it is the literal traffic cop, right? Yeah. And I am only there to provide you PCIe lanes and all that. Because it's interesting because that's how they can do that because all four die are active. On, even on the 8-core part, it still has 8 channels of DDR oh, yeah. memory. It still has mm-hmm. 128 lanes of
2: PCIe does, because it's getting so the 2 PCI, from each die. Does the PCI and the DDR both come in via the fabric? Is that what happens? No, no. Each die has
0: its own 2-channel memory controller and oh, okay. 32, and then some of 32 the lanes. lanes of PCIe.
2: Okay. Right? Okay,
0: okay. So all of that is still active even if you only have one
2: CCI, okay. or one core per your, CCX enabled. The thing is your scheduler kind of needs to be aware of that. Yeah, so that it, it so puts the tasks it's, on the correct, because, you know, The memory is
0: coming from the right memory controller yeah, that. yeah, yeah,
2: well, NUMA is one thing, which is to make sure the memory is, make sure the thread is on the CPU that's connected to the memory. That's NUMA, but, okay. like, I, I could be forgetting something, but, like, I don't know mm-hmm. of schedulers being aware of, oh, wait, that thread needs to talk to this PCI device, so well, I'll put it on that CPU. Um, yeah,
0: that's true. I don't know. So there I don't, might know. Be a I don't form know the answer
2: of that. Because like, Xeons do that, right, because they split the PCI so, between cores, so, but... The, I think your software would have to be a little more aware of the architecture to fully take advantage of it. So the the um,
1: well, It seems like it's it's all going to be a- addresses and NUMA
2: with PCIe. Yeah.
1: I mean, not so much NUMA, but you're going to have addresses for each device.
2: And so it's just going to route it to the correct Yeah, the CPU
3: is going to know what to do with that.
2: Right, right, right. You just don't want the wrong CPU trying to talk to the PCI device that's hanging right. off so in it's opposite. It's not going to do that because it's got addresses
0: yeah i'm like, yeah. Um, okay. now what's interesting is so we you know these are questions we had coming into this and this answers our questions for threadripper as well i should note for threadripper i don't yet know if it's literally if it's the same substrate with four die like and now down. and now we're looking at you know two cores per ccx that's probably the most likely solution for threadripper I, i'm
3: pretty sure or is it two die i'm pretty sure we know it's two die do we? Yeah, yeah, I would think Threadripper would be half Honestly, that. we're so far in at this point, I don't know if that's just the if somebody mass speculation or confirmed, yeah. but I'm pretty sure You know what, sure it could be either. Dyes. It could be either. Yeah, right? It, it, it could be, because
1: depending on if you've got some, yeah, well, yeah, it's, it just depends on, on yields and bins of, of parts, and they throw it into different areas and say, they, hey, this is appropriate for this, 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 or this. You can go ahead and integrate them, because they use the same
0: socket in between Threadripper and Epic. It's and so you're. It seems to me. Go ahead. Un, oh, sorry, it seems to me unlikely that they would want to like validate another package and all that stuff, right? Like, well, I mean, if thread, you, if thread you thread only record, had two
2: possible packages, it's, well, no if ideal. you make a
0: four die version and a two die version, yeah. I th- I, if I were to guess, I l- honestly have no idea at this point. I'm going to guess that it's a four die, two per CCX. Well, For actually, no, because that wouldn't make as much sense because. It has half the memory channels and yeah. half the PCIe, and half the PCIe yeah. So maybe it's it is died. just two die. Yeah, I, mean, I, think I, mean, that.
1: I think that's does, probably most likely. Okay. But we're saying that in terms of flexibility, they could do either. But if you got a four die one, you've got to start disabling a lot of stuff.
0: Well, I mean, they sell sixteen core versions of Epic, right? And yeah. that, and it, and it is a four die thing. Um, but this, so this slide shows the uh, like die to die bandwidth is forty two gigabytes per second bidirectional. Uh, they go into the, the power stuff, two picojoules per bit, TDP, right? Just talking about how much power, low power this is supposed to be. Um, when you go to socket to socket in a two socket, this is kind of interesting. There are four links between the two processors from die to die. Like mm-hmm. the, I don't know if it's exactly mapped like this, but it looks like it on this diagram. The top left die is mapped to the top left die
2: of the other socket. Yeah. It's right. as if you laid them on top of each other.
0: Yeah. Uh, That
2: that bidirectional (laughs) bandwidth is
0: 38 gigabytes per second, uh, which means you have at most two hops to get to any other core. Yeah. Right. You go across to the other socket and then, you know, your jump across Mm -hmm. those die in there. Uh, And they they go into the PCIe breakdown and that type of stuff. You can Mm -hmm. literally get down to um, you could bifurcate by 16 connections, which there are two per die down to. Uh, sixteen by ones, mm-hmm. per. Meaning you can have a you could have sixty four by ones.
4: Is that what that says? No, it's saying bifurcation of eight PCI devices per x sixteen. So is, wouldn't that be an x two? Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: There, are, no, it's, a, it's saying there are eight by sixteen links, right? No. Two from each no. die. Max, oh, uh, max of eight PCI. Sub note. Oh, max of eight PCI devices. Yes, okay, per you're right. So you could have. You can have a maximum of eight per yeah, so you could do thirty-two.
2: But their drawing is a little two. confusing there because it does, it does break it all the way down ones. into it breaks it down into uh uh sixteen by one. It does in the, in the diagram, it does, doesn't it? Okay. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't
0: know. I'll have to get a clarification from that. Um so this is the diagram that shows all the bandwidths together. And also note that they don't there's no chipset for this. Right? Uh USB is built into the control into the die and oh, the SOC so SAT is, is built it into like the die.
3: The quote-unquote x300 that we've never seen I guess, well, I guess like they have to have something doing timers and you gotta have some physical like layers yeah for this stuff
0: uh, yeah i guess but, but for
3: x300 that was just a simple simple chip communicating over serial yeah, SPI. Uh, i don't think i have anything in there for that slide but yeah, yeah.
2: so you know, you know what the, i think they're trying to t- say there on that because on the, the, the bottom box. section of the drawing they're showing it's no that's still confusing well, here's, the, here's the thing about
1: not having a, a south bridge. You've got all the USB you'd probably need for a server. Yeah. And anybody who's going to do anything on a server is going to have a raid card
2: slots. or some kind of NVMe thing. You need slots. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, with this, you're going to have are, plenty of slots. With this architecture and how many cores you have and how many lanes you have, a raid card is almost like irrelevant. Unless you need to do SATA specifically. Which a lot of people are still doing. That's for true. Massive storage. I mean, That's you, true. you'd love some of these
0: servers I saw, Alan. Like uh, had- Supermicro had a bare bones, and I don't even know the the connection they're using is is a is an NVMe connection to like um, backplanes. Yeah.
2: Supermicro has like it has it, like a whole tray that like pivots up, and you can just slide a bunch yeah. of drives. And in. So and it so it's
0: like, well, this is the twenty four drive, to two U version of this.
2: Yeah. Supermicro was making those servers, and they had to use a bunch of uh, PCIe switches. To be able to fan and, and out, they don't have to do that
3: anymore.
0: They Don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. They just they
2: just route all the lanes, and so instead, you know, it makes for a cheaper server as well. Man, server
3: right. shit is so cool.
0: It's I mean, it's it's incredibly <laughs>
2: neat, and it and, 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 and it the, can be.
0: There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff in the, in that that we didn't go over here, like about security and manageability and RAS, which is what is it? Reliability, uh, accessibility, accessibility, and, sec- and security. security. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, RAS features. They kept talking about. It took me a little bit to to wrap my head around. Um, but. You know, it's it's an impressive launch for them. When when did Optron launch, Josh? Two thousand and three, I think. It was around there, right? Uh yeah, two thousand three, two thousand four. I remember being at the Opteron launch and how how significant of a thing it was for AMD at the time. Uh, and this felt very similar, right? And they but they know, uh, you know, I got to talk with Lisa. I got to talk with Forrest, uh, who's 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 the VP in charge of it, and and they know that it's an uphill battle. Like they have to reconvince these people to buy into their ecosystem. Um, but there's literally nowhere for them to go but up. Yeah when you're it, uh, at, when you're when your market share rounds to zero, which it does, yeah. it doesn't round to one, it rounds to zero. Nowhere to go and This road. is what they told me. Nowhere to
2: go but up. And if you have products that are undercutting Xeons yeah. on cost and have just an you insane almost, amount of connectivity.
0: You almost feel bad for Intel, like there's Xeon PMs. Not like the executives, because people are they're still gonna make money, but like if you're yeah. a Xeon PM, you literally cannot win in this next next year. You're going to lose market share. Yeah, you're going to
3: lose, uh, you know, margin. As it turns out, when you're at 99 percent of the market, you have to
2: decrease yeah. some.
3: This, I mean, this, this is why
0: they do drones and I don't even know what I, <laughs> I don't stuff, even know right? what their product
2: manager's counter would be to like the person that's like, well, but I was thinking of buying this Epic thing. Like, what are you going it, to counter? It's
0: discounts. Right? It's it's it's. We have the best ecosystem. We have the, the best the, software ecosystem. The, the thread
2: but, performance. It's a little bit faster, but... Oh, yeah. Like, I mean,
0: it's going to be faster. The IPC is right. going to be faster. It's a better IPC. AMD was very upfront about, like... uh, uh not needing to get this one correct. They're much more about scale-out workloads than scale-up yeah. workloads. Yeah. Right? So things that can go... Things that can fill out memory. Things yep. that can fill out connectivity. Yep. Um, you know, giant database servers. Uh, that type of stuff. Where the if you can get 32 DIMs and you can get 4 terabytes of memory in one rack... Of That's a, a of, huge benefit,
2: yeah, and just an insane amount of like density for,
0: with a four thousand dollar processor, insane
2: amount of flash hooked up to it for you know without crazy yeah. PCI switching and all sorts of like external connectivity, yeah, the, out super, of the box connectivity. Supermicro's like largest chassis is like n- two layers nested worth of PCI switches <laughs> nice. because because the first switch can't fan out enough to get to all the slots. Sweet, so they had to put another set of. So it's like literally making a tree. Off of off of the Xeon, yeah, right,
3: yeah, yeah. I, I imagine if you're the CTO of like some big company like Netflix or whatever who is running their own data servers, so depending on AWS now, yeah. you're just looking at these bills from Dell or whoever you buy your servers for, from, and just spinning and just like looking at the number, and then yes. oh, someone yeah. comes and offers you a cheaper solution, you're definitely going to take that's them the seriously. That's the,
2: that's the point I'm trying to make is the processor yeah. itself is not just the cheaper thing; it's the ability. Like its capabilities makes the whole platform cheaper. So, like Dropbox was, was one of the partners that had like a video. They're yeah. talking about
0: like, look, we do storage, so <laughs> yeah. massive yes. amount of storage yes. per device support. But they said, storage. but we still need good performance because they're doing versioning, they're doing yeah. um, uh, uh, like preview, uh, files deduplication. And stuff. Yeah. They do like, so, like yeah. they still need some of it, but it, but their their density of of stuff is there. So. I
3: as mentioned and on, obviously on, front end servers as well cuz baidu is another one of their partners yeah, for this and they're one of the super
0: yeah. 7 that's that's a really that, big yeah, deal for them huge, huge, monstrous yeah. yeah
4: go ahead alex oh that's good. as good as i mentioned on IRC it's also going to make for a really nice virtualization server that's true too i mean that's that's the only kind
0: question, of the thing the only question that comes up with <laughs> yeah, virtualization is when you start to virtualize across ccxs
2: that's fine. you you wouldn't
0: it, well, then that limits you, you to four-core... Instances
2: would be using their own RAM and their oh, own man, PCI VDI. devices.
0: But then you can never have more yeah. than a
2: four-core VM.
4: That's fine, though. Sure.
2: That's plenty for, a, like, you know... If, if, you, if you try to have a lot of VMs on a, on a machine, you don't, yeah. don't want them all to have a lot of cores.
4: If you need more than no, four two cores four. on a VM, it's going back to bare metal anyway. Yeah, typical VMs, yeah. I mean, think
3: about, like, VDI applications, and it's actually... It's actually good because you wouldn't want to hop outside of a CCX. Like you'd right. have a bunch oh. of dual core machines running off of this thirty-two core. Yeah, uh, I, I, th- I think Epic, that and you wouldn't be copying across the CCX for sure. anything. It'd be like self-contained as long as systems. it's as long as you're four core or below. Yeah. Yes,
0: huh. but I think there's more instances of greater
2: than four. Like when you're not, talking not, about having sixty-four uh, cores in one. Yeah, but not chassis. for a VM. Not for a VM. Virtualized mm. servers. Will oh yeah, definitely not have more than cores. four in a chassis.
3: But not for more than for
0: each. Uh, like, depending
2: on
3: what, so like
2: literally, Sorry,
0: no. so, hold on. But this, is, you guys are making sense because if I go to Amazon and, get, and try to do a virtualized they're server, an I can edge get. 10, case. But I can that's, get, that's different. But yeah. it's not like that. This, this is who they're trying to sell to. I can buy ten core, you know, database servers from Amazon EC2. Yes, you can, and that is a virtualized yeah, environment, a d- right? D- database that for, server that is for the most demanding workloads. Database server
2: is scale up.
0: Well, it, for whatever you want it to be, right? Like. You can get a 10 core server from
2: EC2. Right. That's what I'm saying. So if you want, like, if you want a bunch of cores, and well, but then again, if you want that, you, you're going to have the same CCX penalty, even if you were on bare metal with the same processor. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So
3: what? And then there's you know. another inherent latency built in, depending on what virtual uh, instancing you use. Right. There, there can be actual built-in delays between cores, regardless of what hardware you're running, which scales up as you go beyond two or four cores. Yeah. So. You might actually outweigh the CCX penalty just by the built-in inherent latency of a virtual machine. Right. A whole bunch of four cores stacked up together is going to be overall more efficient. So it makes okay. sense to me. Okay. And, and the ability to have that many PCA slots and do something like VDI, desktop replacement, and dedicate a GPU to it? Because like I have a friend who does IT and architecture firm, and they need GPUs. Yeah. And right now they're depending on like NVIDIA GRID cards, and they're subdividing the GPUs. Yep. Whereas they oh. could just dedicate <laughs> one GPU per user on
2: VDI. Yeah. You, would like of, you would have your own You have your set of much hardware. PCIE. Yeah. Yeah. So all centralized.
0: Yeah. Regardless of the good. like specific workloads, because trust me, Intel's going to find the specific <laughs> workloads that that this doesn't work, and they're going to talk about it. Yeah. Um, it's it's a, it's a huge launch for them they're they're well aware of like the challenges that you know talk with Forrest about epic 2 or not epic 2 uh, zen 2 and zen 3 and what those architectures are going to be and, and why they have to make this pricing argument today but they don't want to have to sacrifice that going forward and it's, it's it's a big deal for amd so good good for them um what else we got to talk about josh we promised people we would talk a little bit about five nanometer stuffs sure we can oh. What, so what is so? Um, I like this because it was uh, what are their pages, right? It's like they're just printing this out out of an inkjet or something like that. So yeah, pretty much. Yeah,
2: he's wearing gloves. Nano. He's wearing gloves, but, Nano that, sheet. but that shirt what? is ESDN crap out of that wafer. <laughs> 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 just just saying. So yeah, you know. well it's, it's microfiber. You know, he's cleaning I, I, it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they're doing it, but what it is. Uh, So yeah, IBM, we talked about this a little bit a couple of weeks back. Uh, They just announced their 5 nanometer breakthrough with uh, silicon nanosheet technology. So essentially, FinFETs are gates that are surrounded on three sides. And this adds the fourth dimension. So it's surrounded on four sides. And they actually lay it down in layers of sheets. So you've got multiple litho layers, deposition, whatnot. And uh, this solves a lot of problems with what FinFETs will be encountering at 7 nanometers and below. So 7 nanometers is kind of the last gasp for, for the traditional FinFET that we saw introduced with 22 nanometer. After that, you can get things smaller, but you're going to have to keep power about the same, and your your switching speeds are going to be about the same. And So you're going to increase the density, but you're not going to have any kind of Power and performance increase to go along with that. So, yeah, you've got a smaller chip, but it's going to have probably more negative characteristics than Mm -hmm. the chip that was made at a larger um, node. Because you've got more power and more heat dissipated in a smaller area than what you did before. And so IBM has gone ahead, and they've worked with Global Foundry, Samsung, uh, SUNY Rochester. Is that right? There, yeah, that's one of the reasons why uh, AMD originally set out to build their fabs up there in in New York because they're very close to uh, to SUNY Albany and and their you know litho and 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 chip making uh, research center. And that was an area that, that IBM had worked with uh for just decades, seemingly. I mean, they had their East Fishgill fabs, mm-hmm. they worked with SUNY. It's all one big happy family. <laughs> and now Global Fabrigies and 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 uh and IBM are, are working close together and we've got this. So we've got, you know, these multiple layers of, of nano sheets. Um it, it allows us to not only just shrink past seven nanometer and who the hell knows what the actual dimensions are because it's, it's a lot of marketing involved with these sizes, but because of the unique structure and materials, they're able to kind of keep the advances going in terms of power and clock speed. So you've got in, in something essentially the size of a a fingernail, uh, about thirty billion transistors, which is more, far more than what uh, what is the latest? Uh, the, is the 1080 Ti? No, it's the, the Volta, the V100, the new thing from uh, Nvidia. Yeah. That is around six hundred nanometer, a millimeter squared. That is twenty one point three billion transistors in there. Yeah, that? that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. And so you've now shrunk that dramatically to about 70 millimeters square and have 30 billion transistors in there. Sounds all right. It is a significant jump. (laughs) And it's something that Intel hasn't shown off, though they're probably working on something like this. But we don't know exactly when this is going to come into play. Uh, Some people say some interesting tests could be happening around late 2018. But more than likely we may see some of the first products on this new process technology in late twenty nineteen. So it's it's not exactly around the corner, but then again, it's not exactly ten years off. So we're still moving forward. We're working around some strange quantum mechanics and, and physics here.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: I'm kinda wondering how they how they do, you know, like quantum tunneling and Fun things like that that have already been already been showing up at 14 nanometers and below. Um, so yeah, they just they have extended silicon-based chip technology yet again beyond what people had originally thought they would be able to do. So five nanometer, it's coming in a couple of years, and it looks like it works. Bizarre.
3: I've heard of dental bridges before, but that one just looks nasty. <laughs> yeah. Bring that picture back. That just looks like the world's worst dental X-ray ever. My that guy had a
0: lot of work done. Share roots. <laughs> yeah, it adds strength to the the overall collection. I feel. Yeah. Ooh, clicked on that one. Uh, so, oh, where did we go here? You broke it all. Did this? Did is Chrome just? Wow. Okay. Did it crash again on you. I think it did. Chrome is kicking ass and taking. Oh wait, no, hold on.
2: Nope. Taking podcasts.
0: There. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, gonna, I don't see it. I'm gonna leave it like that. Yeah, but I can't scroll yet. But I'm just gonna. I'm gonna go with it for now. Um. So this just went up right before we we got to the show going here. Ken uh did some testing while I was out of the 802.11 AD capability of. An Asus X299 motherboard and a Netgear X, what was it? Nighthawk X10 router. Which is an amazing name. So I am, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to close this and reopen it. Come on, Chrome. You can do
4: it. And note, this is not 802.1 AD. No, 802.1 AD. <laughs> no, this is not VLAN. <laughs> <laughs> when I saw the, the story come across, I was like, what? VLAN's on a what? Oh. Uh yeah no
0: no no the, so 80211 AD Ken, you can you explain this, is, is it's Y Gig It's yeah. kind of it's but, marketing name yeah there's the
3: Y Gig Alliance which is kind of I like alliances as is, is marketing 80211 AD that uh, that's obviously the name of the standard right. from IEEE as you would expect. You know, when you're going through the airport and you're a plebeian and you don't have pre-check or programs like that, you have to go you? through you those machines pre-check. where you put, your, you put your hands up and they yeah. scan you with millimeter waves? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What if I told you you could have that <laughs> in your very house? <laughs> I like it. I'm a fan. Yeah. So essentially 802.11 AD is networking over 60 gigahertz, whereas we're, we're used to 2.4 gigahertz with technologies up to 802.11 N. Well, and could also operate on the 5 gigahertz range. Right. And AC is 5 gigahertz only. This is sort of an entirely new technology running 60 gigahertz or millimeter wave wavelengths.
0: Now, it's worth noting we have seen some YGIG stuff like as dock stations. But it was very specific. You had one specific laptop paired with one with like a specific dock. And they kind of – Apparently,
3: Dell has been doing this since like – 2014 ish, which was interesting. I could find some old posts. Never really anyone posting about like it working or like right. anything about the experience. Just that this was an option offered on high-end latitude machines. Right. But uh, at CES, we saw the TP-Link router announced, which was the first router announced with 802.11ad. And, and then in the in the months since then, I think it was February that this Netgear Nighthawk X10 came out. With support mm-hmm. for eight hundred two eleven AD, and uh, the sort of impetus was we got the X two hundred ninety nine motherboard Prime X two hundred ninety nine Deluxe that has an eight hundred two eight hundred two eleven AD. I'm just going to call it Y Gig from here on. Sure, we'll just stick with that, or you just call it AD. Yeah, you know, you do <laughs> what you want. You do <laughs> what you want to do. Has a Y Gig radio built in, so it was sort of the first client that we saw. There has been like one specific Acer laptop that had YG in it that people were using for testing, but this is sort of the first mainstream application of it. And I know Asus announced at least one other X299 motherboard. I think it was the RG motherboard has 80 in it. And I think there are a couple other people that announced support. There's one essentially Qualcomm M.2 radio now that people are using that they can just integrate in in, any of these machines. But we wanted to figure out what, what it was like? I've been reading do? about 802.11 AD YGIG stuff for a long time now. Yeah. It's been up and coming for quite a while. I think they pretty much announced AD along with AC several years ago. Feels
0: like it, if nothing else. Yeah. So we just went out, we just went out and bought this Netgear router, which this picture, I don't know if it gives you a sense of scale. It's an enormous ass
3: uh, thing. No, uh, but I posted the one that uh, Ken posted oh, in originally. the Slack chat up to Amager because you can see it there. Oh okay, you can it's, see how wide those antennas are yeah the the Wind. box it comes in is uh I'm trying to think of a good analog. It's like the size of like an xbox one box it's gigantic or how about how box. about like
1: a chain tech
4: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> video oh, card God. box <laughs> the
1: size of a small
0: briefcase yeah that's yeah that's a yeah. large that's a large box for a router.
3: Alan, Alan was there when I opened the box. I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and it's heavy, too. Like, it's not a, not a light affair. So uh, this
0: one also had a 10 gigabit yes.
3: so it has wired a, connection. Yes. So the difference between the Netgear and the TP-Link, at least from the outset, we haven't tested both of them. They're both using the same AD chipset on the radio side, but the Netgear router has a 10 gig switch port. Which is very important because 802.11 AD is capable of up to 4.6 gigabits per second. Right. So if you're trying to run benchmarks from another computer or that even was if you're actually on using a 1 that. gig port. Yeah. I mean, you could still do AD to AD at full speed with the TP sure. link okay. theory. Yep. But yep, 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 if yep. you want to do wired to wireless, you would need a 10 gig yep. port.
0: And And as... So and, and uh, uh, Jim actually had this switch here handy, which which worked out well for us. And it didn't, it, it's interesting; it's not using Ethernet; it's using um, uh,
4: SF, SFP, SFP, plus. SFP
0: plus, which is an optical ca- cable essentially. Uh, no. no,
3: I've been corrected on that. Oh, I see.
4: No, yeah, it's a, it's a well the transport's whatever you want it to be, but the, it's a, it's an electrical connection on the port. Okay, and the transceivers in the actual connector ends.
3: Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, so, okay. so it, it's still copper ultimately,
0: but. Uh, so, so we, we, you did some testing on it. We were just basically like, okay, what does this actually get you? Um, and, and these were the results you got, which, which were interesting. So it's important to note that millimeter wave has a lot of inherent – It has an issue. Yeah. It has it an hurts. issue of uh, uh, range, we'll call it. Uh, and yeah. not only that, but and you also, can put a piece of paper – in front of it. See, I was going to make and a little joke. Block the but signal. No. I was, was going to do a little joke, and Josh ruined it. And that seems counterintuitive even, to me. Even uh, rotated. Was say that makes no sense. AD had a problem with penetration. As wow. problem with the D. In that it yeah. couldn't get. It can't <laughs> get
2: through anything. We had. We, I was able. We were able to go from full signal to unable to connect by me rotating the router by thirty degrees. Yeah. 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 It's. It's
3: it's a very very particular thing. So it's not bi-directional.
2: Uh, so I, I, you know I, what? That, I think it's down speed, to like... When
3: you're laying on
1: top
0: of it, <laughs> <it's laughs> second <laughs> to none. It's
1: magical.
0: So I mean, if you look, magical. I mean, if you look at these results, but so we're, we don't get close to the four point six gigabits. No, which I mean, we've you've never wireless been able to get never get close to any of yet. the
3: wireless yeah. ratings. Just, like this
0: because AC was supposed to go up to
3: like thirteen hundred megabits. Yeah, and right,
0: and so we only ever really supposed get to like include 600. both
2: directions at the same time as well. Uh, maybe multiple devices as well. So do I, you think it's do you think it's a
1: bad thing that uh, it's got directions that say, "Hey, girl, if you want full <laughs> bandwidth, you better lay on top." Yeah. No. no
0: Damn it! I don't come so, on. So I mean, so at zero feet, we just you basically had the router sitting next
3: to the machine. No, I had the. And Ante- the external antenna on the motherboard on top of the router, like in between feet. all
0: the antennas.
3: I, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I put I put the external antenna from the motherboard in the middle of the router, You're and right. that was zero feet. So that's when I got my max throughput of about two point two gigabits per second. That's, that's good. Moving in a more reasonable distance away, where I had it had them both sitting on the desk, about two or three feet apart, I got almost one point nine gigabits per second. Yeah. And then we took it to an even more reasonable scenario where I kind of put the router on a movable cart and I pushed it away. we're about 15 feet away. And we got uh, just under 1.7 gigabits per second. Yeah. And then we started to test the limits of this large single room we have. So as yeah. we alluded to, 802.11 to AD will not go through walls. So we have this big open area here we use for the studio and our office. So it was kind of a handy place to test. And then, as you can see from the results, at about
0: we'll it say drops.
3: fifteen feet plus, it dropped to seven hundred megabits.
0: So, it,
3: it, so this is very like situation dependent if, yes. if this would be beneficial. But like
0: and we we had I at least saying,
3: partial line of sight all of the time. We weren't totally occluding. Yeah.
0: So like if, if if in our environment, people on the on the stream can't see this. But if like if we put that router where that printer is. It it would address your machine, my machine, Ken's machines, and probably Alex's machine. But if you were on the far end of the office, you wouldn't. It would. It would be no benefit. But what's important to note is, like, he has the eight hundred two eleven AC results from this router there as well. Yeah, and and it was always faster than that.
3: Yeah. And the, the AC was extremely consistent. You're, you know what to expect, and you can only expect about 700 megabits out of that motherboard and that router and the configuration we had set up.
0: Sure, and there may be faster AC configurations with different controllers and whatnot. Sure, but sure. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So, so, can I ask a serious question?
3: Uh, I'm
1: maybe. Actually not I don't sure know. You can, can you? Yeah. No, it, it really is a serious question. So, okay, I'm connected to this thing, and I'm on my laptop, and I've got my antenna. Alan walks in front of it slowly will uh, you lose uh, connection will you see drops or are you just out of luck
3: so alan and i were testing it i had him over at the computer and i was with the router and i mean we're still walking around the office i didn't necessarily stand exactly in the middle of it but we didn't really see any drops in that scenario i even though we are bags of water i don't think it necessarily affects <laughs> it <laughs> that much
2: <laughs> bags mm, of mostly and, water it
3: it I feel like it can mostly go around you at that point. it's bouncing off and sort right, of right. figuring out a path as long as you have you start with mostly in line of sight and that's scenario
0: so you know the router's five hundred bucks almost four hundred and fifty bucks, so that's pretty pricey. The yeah. motherboard is four hundred and fifty dollars that yeah. has age eleven a d built into it, so it's an expensive combination if you happen to dive down that rabbit hole. It was more of a experiment of, hey, this is our first time messing with it. It's also very possible that. We get, you know, this, this is very new. It's very
3: first gen stuff. Like,
0: Netgear updates its firmware, yeah. Asus updates the drivers or firmware. And, and a-
3: actually, we, we were doing some testing, and then Alan was like, "Well, did you update the firmware on the router?" And I hadn't yet, and I updated it, and the testing was a little bit better. Yeah. yeah so, so I, I would expect it to be the kind of the case
0: for because yeah, it, it was doing
2: like it shouldn't just drop if you rotate the router a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Like that's well, know.
3: I don't know how directional the antenna. And More. I don't it's necessarily good. know where the 60 gig ones. antenna was on the device because yeah. yeah. you, you see the four external antennas, but those are mostly probably just for MIMO 5 gigahertz stuff. Right. I don't know exactly the configuration of any of that stuff. But mostly in the, in the short, short little article I posted, I came to the conclusion that we're probably never going to see wide stream adoption of AD for general networking stuff, even for computer to computer operations. We're going to see it for stuff like wireless notebook docs and VR headsets. Intel at Set E3 at was showing all that. Yeah. Yeah. A Vive with the YGIG adapter. And people said it was great from the personal experience. It's that yeah. sort of yeah. high bandwidth, low range, yep. line of sight stuff mm-hmm. that it's cool for. I mean, we were postulating in the office where if you had like your gaming PC and you wanted to sort of do a wireless display to your. 4K TV, that could be an interesting option as long as you had sort of line of sight, which I think for a decent amount of people you might, where you don't want to run a 20-foot HDMI cord, but you can still see each other from the scenario.
0: Yeah, I I, I think it's pretty interesting. Uh, Yeah, I I, I wouldn't buy into it yet. Definitely
2: not. But, yeah, pretty cool. Expensive. I mean, you can afford like an 8-fort 10-gig Switch and a couple of 10-gig NICs. For, for the four hundred fifty dollars, but then you got it for what you need on both ends the, for thousand dollars. The, the, $1, the truth, truth
0: is, wires suck. Right it's now, true. wireless sucks more than wires, <laughs> but yeah. wires still suck. That's so true. if we could get hey, you wireless know what? enough, gaff
1: tape it. will
0: make wires fine.
1: Make wires. I mean, then,
0: yes, you are looking. If you I are mean, like looking it'll, in our office right look now. Crappy yeah.
1: going across the ceiling in your dining room, but <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be. It's fine.
3: You can still get Netflix, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what's important.
0: Uh, one last story before we uh, get to our picks here. I Fix It, Microsoft Surface Laptop. It's I think it's the worst score they've ever given a product.
3: If we could give it a negative
2: one, we would have. That's what they say. I <laughs> mean, really? they could have. That is what they said.
0: What makes it so bad?
2: Can't everything glue. is glued and soldered? Yeah, you can't open anything. Okay. Can't you know?
0: And what was like, like? So that's different than significantly different than the remember Surface what Tablet. The, no. What happened with the last
2: one? No, what or was the, the Surface Tablet. I mean, at. the
3: Surface Tablet is glued together, but at least the components are socketed. So if you do get it apart, you okay. can change stuff. Wasn't there They're not a, getting it apart? But
2: like the previous generation one, was a, there was a guy that took a Dremel and a die cutter bit. It's the back and, of and the he Surface kind. of Pro cut four. a freaking square where the M.2 yes, SSD did. was. The upgrade uh, memory. He took the lid off and he can just swap out his SSD. Yeah. that's probably not great. And then he no like option. I don't know how he put the thing back on, and he just like put a piece of tape over. I it still it or want to try one of these laptops. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah,
3: I mean I hmm. think they're a fine device. And in the scenario where the machine is glued together anyways, I don't necessarily think socket components are an important detail because you would have to be like that Surface Pro 4 guy who is yeah. extremely invasive in his machine to upgrade the hardware. But it's still it still sucks to not have the opportunity. Even this stupid MacBook with a touch bar got a two out of ten. Yeah. Okay. And and like this has a solid yeah, SSD and everything. Of but it has screws back. on the bottom. They might be pencil lip screws, but they're screws, damn it. Yeah. Oh. so yeah, you pop a key off of that keyboard and uh well, guess you better buy a new one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Uh before we get to our picks of the week, we're gonna do a Oh my God, Chrome! What is your deal? Um, we we were should just switch to Edge, Microsoft, or Windows Ten if you're selling me to. I might, I might. Uh, so we're we're gonna do a a non-visual check in with uh, people who have signed on to do the the mining thing, the the hashing thing. Why, like, oh, man. Uh, let me see if I can figure this out. There we go. All right, here we go. So uh, I'm going to refresh this and see what happens. So this is like a monitoring thing. So if you guys go to nice hash and put in that wallet code that we gave you, you can actually see how many people are working. That's listed as workers. I think that's that's in unique per application, right? Like instance of the application uh, running. You
2: could have multiple workers for one machine. App, for one machine, yes. Okay
0: um so this is you know you guys can keep track of it scroll down and see
2: what the labels of the machines so, are though
0: if we've got we've got seven machines working on it now so that's pretty awesome uh we've got comrade drv 001 fall Byte, uh korea pc per which ironically isn't us it's not us yeah PC is not SA2011, us. sa 2011 awesome so the and it doesn't tell us what hardware they're running you can maybe guess by looking at the algorithms that are going so yeah. the dagger ha- hashimoto's are Radeon AMD cards yeah Right, and uh, Equihash, I don't know what that one would be. That's what
2: is a soul per second? It's a solution, yeah.
3: Yeah, oh, solutions. Oh, yeah. solutions, okay. okay. So, so Equihash is, a, is an algorithm attached to a couple of different currencies. The main one is Zcash, I believe. Okay. So that's kind of and, and another li- up-and-coming. Li-
0: li- Libri, Well, I call it? Libri or library, or I don't know what you would pronounce, L-B-R-Y, but that's usually running on NVIDIA cards. So my guess is Fallbyte has a GeForce card of some kind. Running in that system. So it's interesting. Very cool that uh, you guys are doing that. Anybody who wants to do that, again, you can go to PCPro.com, uh, Look for that story about donating um, your... Uh, uh, what would we call it? Donating... Uh, your GPU power. GPU horsepower cycles to us. And I think it's pretty cool. I just kind of want to see... Uh, where are we at? Where's, what's our total... Does it give you... I guess because it's a whole bunch of different currencies. It doesn't give you any kind of like singular speed. It's more about like the bitcoin per day rate i guess but then that changes based on the value of bitcoin and all that type of stuff
3: so well, yeah. bitcoin per day doesn't really change based on the value of bitcoin
0: oh okay yeah, yeah. it's bitcoin not dollars so yeah. uh yeah hopefully we can spike that up so if you're interested in contributing you don't want to have to sign up for patreon or write a it, check it, to it's, josh
3: it, it's like a clicker we're gonna see how high the numbers go we
0: want to see how high
3: the numbers Everyone go contribute and we'll see yes. how high we can get the numbers yes yeah. please yeah at and then we're gonna sell it all out and see how low we can drive the currency value down. <laughs> well, I tell you what. <laughs> I think we can sign up on
0: people up for getting a run on Bitcoin. Trust me, I would sell well before thirty million dollars of currency would, would pile up in any in any single given account. I am quite confident in that. So. Also,
2: I don't think we'll be doing
3: this job anymore. Uh, you know. We might be Alan, but he won't be. Yeah, he won't yeah. He'll he be. He'll be in the Bahamas.
0: Be. <laughs> I'll be gone. I mean, I'll just like set up a tent outside of the lawn. With like a fan and just relax,
3: (laughs) just sit out. Hopefully, you'll be living in Disneyland. What are you guys doing in there permanently? Is it warm from the machines that are still running? It's (laughs) so warm. Please, sir,
0: can I have a fan? All right, uh, hardware, software picks of the week. Uh, Mine is interesting in that I have. I think I talked last week about getting an iPad Pro. Uh, keyboard, the pencil all that type of stuff and messing around with it. And I and I'm trying to do this experiment of like actually trying to use it as my productivity device. Yep. So that means doing writing, doing news posts. First thing I notice is uh the the website WYSIWYG editor and, and iOS based browsers nice. do not no nope. play nice. You if you go into the HTML version of it, everything's fine. Yeah. But if you want to use the the WYSIWYG version, the Wizzywig version it sucks. That being said, uh I installed Microsoft Word. Mhm. Which is free on iOS? Interestingly, like completely. Uh, it is. All the Microsoft it's Office like the, apps. Mic-
3: Remember, Microsoft it's free for thirty days. Yeah it's, yeah, it's a trial. Wait, really? Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, you need Office three sixty five. Uh, okay, Which so I do. Ha-
0: I do have an Office three sixty five. Yeah, that's why it's free. Oh, okay, 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 okay. So yeah. it's not free. Never mind. I'm still paying for it. Um, I, I will say, I have. I was surprised by how well. It's a good app. It works. Yeah. Um, there are some limitations to it in terms of more surrounding like local file storage and how you yeah. kind of do that stuff. Um, also I use Dropbox a lot for yep. my workflow. You can open the files directly you work. can open them, but the problem is, is you, they're not saved locally. So I had this problem where I was on a plane mm-hmm. and the internet wasn't working, so I couldn't open a file to write. Yeah. You have to have already had it open. Yes. And yeah. you, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Even, it, it so if cut, you if go back to the menu yeah. or you go back to the home screen of it, and it and it saves, it reuploads the files when you're when you do that, like to mm-hmm. you know keep things in sync. Even if you want to open it up again to look at it, 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 I wasn't able to to do that. So I don't think that's really a, a restriction of of the app itself. It's more of the platform tell, yeah. that it's on. Uh, so I'm curious if like iOS 11 changes any of that.
2: It might with the files thing. It's with the, the files
0: have. stuff. Uh, you know, I don't know how maybe I think Dropbox will still be problematic because you're not going to install Dropbox, not going to have root access to the file system to be able to sync documents would be my guess. If it, if they can figure it out, I think that's awesome. Um, but, but, but it worked well there, you know, there's some like formatting discrepancies. I would say, uh, if you're trying to like put a a link, a hyperlink into on, on a piece of text, highlighting something with your finger still sucks Mm -hmm. as opposed to using a mouse and keyboard. Um, but I, I, I was I was more impressed than I kind of expected to be. Also, one of the things I couldn't do. So this this allows you to export as a PDF, which I was thought I was you know doing a proposal for somebody and I wanted to export a Word doc as a PDF. It does support it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I uploaded Mm -hmm. that to Dropbox. However, as far as I could find, there was no way to attach said PDF that I created Uh to an email
2: to send out to somebody. You want to attach something from Dropbox. Yeah, to or
0: even like let me go to Dropbox and save that PDF locally to then.
2: No, do it. it gets
0: pissed off
3: unless you're doing OneDrive. You can't for SharePoint.
0: Well, even that's inside Word. I'm just trying to like I'm in Gmail now, trying hey. to attach this document. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, it's, it's going to get
3: pissy. I think you can do it, but you have to sort of start from the attachment. You have to say email this attachment and then write the message around it, which is totally a natural workflow.
0: But. Can, if yep. you're opening you up the file a, through Dropbox, you have to
2: use a different email app. You have to use the mail app. No, either the well, mail after app the sh- or Gmail has been giving me. Maybe that's a good okay. idea. Um, you know. I use what's up uh, Spark. Spark will do it. The, Spark.
3: So okay. the file, the Files app in iOS 11 is sort of their answer to all of this stuff. Where you'll be able to mount your Dropbox and all of these different services and drag files over to other apps. Yeah. Just okay. <sighs>
0: Oh my God! Who can drag
3: files from apps to apps. It's,
2: it's, it's like cloud storage or Even something. Even though they they yeah. haven't added Dropbox to the to the list yet. I mean, it's a beta. Like Dropbox will probably have to hat. integrate yeah. with the app.
3: But, yeah. I mean, it's still in beta. Yeah. So. yeah.
0: All right. So that's me, uh, Jeremy. What do you got?
3: All right. So this is kind of a nifty new controller that I just spotted this week. Uh, that. It it looks exactly like something that you should be using uh, if you're, say, Alex and trying to run the board here. But <laughs> the thing is, it will also install as a mouse or a gamepad and just let you map every single one of these buttons, switches, or dials to a certain uh, function in any program. The keystroke or turn or whatever. Can, can I do record stretches? You can. You, I want to do record well, scratches. And you should use a virtual record so you can practice enough to get good. But the thing is that, there's, there's as still, you can see... There's no getting good. <laughs> the the As it mentions there, the module is attached magnetically. So if you click on some of the other pictures, it looks like building blocks because it is. You snap this thing together in however the hell you want. Uh, make it into a little uh, arcade simulator run audio off of it, map the uh, dial to your sniper rifle so that you can zoom in and out uh, very easily. It's a little bit on the expensive side. Like the base kit we're looking at here is 300 bucks, but it's damn nifty.
0: Mm.
3: So if you're building a MIDI box or if you just really want to uh, prove you can beat Dark Souls with two dials, (laughs) this is your thing. I uh, don't think you can do that. No, it's but uh, some challenges. guy beat it with like a Guitar Hero. Yeah, I was going to say guitar, the challenge is oh, always yeah. the Guitar Hero controller. Oh, Man, that's pretty impressive. All yeah. right, all right, but it, it's a little expensive, but it's freaking nifty. And if uh, like, how much did you guys pay for some of the uh, equivalent stuff you're using hardware wise? That, on those audio or, that boxes? or more, yeah. I bet you it was more than the three
0: hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah, usually. Okay. All right, give it a look, Josh.
1: Me. You. It's all about me, as it should be. And why wouldn't it? Yes, great. Okay, so, you know, a couple of months ago, I talked about the My Digital SSD stuff. The NVMe was the less least expensive, uh, you know, 500, around 500 gig. Probably, no, it's 480 gig of uh, NVMe. Well, you know what? Those got so popular, they've blown up to 250 bucks for a 500 gig. And so now, oddly enough, Samsung, who's got their own fabs and whatnot, and are producing this 3D memory NAND stuff, you know, whatever it's called. What's it called, Alan? VNAND. Whatever. Anyway, <laughs>
4: uh, you can get the 500 gig
1: for 219 bucks. It's so much cheaper. It's pretty good. Than anything else.
3: I, Finally, they've dropped in price. Is that $0.10? And you can get... What's that? I, I bought one of these drives of the weekend at Micro Center, and I think it was like a weekend sale, and it was two ten. So I mean, two twenty at any point is pretty damn good. Yeah, I, I was, that's I, was nice. I was amazed that you could get that level of performance and capacity for two hundred ten bucks. Yeah, yeah, it's
1: it's a deal if you could use it. And let me tell you, I can use it.
2: Yeah, it's a great drive. Yeah, very cool uh let's
0: see i'm gonna try nope holy moly all right uh let me see we got next alan what do you got for me
2: so you know how you have some uh power supplies come with the pci uh, power connectors comes with a pair of them off of one cable but they're like two inches apart yeah 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 well spend like a couple bucks and just get like a little extension thing I wish I could show everybody at home. Oh, but his browser's broken. I don't. So uh, in the show notes, there'll be a link to now. What's Amazon separated thing. by two inches? Oh, Jacob's hearts. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Is that the EVGA spinoff?
2: Oh lord, geez. I think it might be. Yeah, but like you know, just don't don't go through a bunch of heartache trying to find the specific kind of model cable for your power supply because those sure. are a big pin. And if you put the wrong yeah. one in you're going to fry your video you card could, yeah right so Don't risk that they're just you just get an extension just for the eight pin that just connects into a pin female versus eight pin male just like that's p- true right and you look around ebay amazon they're like two or three bucks a pop you know mm. easy
0: trust me it looks amazing guys i i won't show it but yeah, it's, it's just there. Just yeah. yeah, we're
2: fixing it. Two inches. I mean, that one's the one I found was uh, where the what the heck is it?
3: Oh no, this oh, is eight so inches, Josh. Is that this I think is serious? That's too many <laughs> inches, Jeremy. It's too
2: many. It might be too many inches of an extension, but yeah, <laughs> it's too many. Yeah, so you know, it's just it just like, like circles uh, back around. Yeah, it's just you know some cable, a <laughs> couple of you know eight pin connectors there. Oh man, you know.
0: All right, uh, Alan, Alex, or Ken, Alex, you didn't have anything on the list here today, right? Okay. Um, so that's going to be it for the show. I do want to say, I, while we we're closing up here, I did, for people who uh, were trying to find that link, and I just kept saying go to the homepage and search for this, I just created a custom URL. If you go to pcper.com slash mining, M-I-N-I-N-G, it oh, takes you directly to that story. So pcper.com slash mining takes you to that story if you want to see how to set up uh, uh, your system. It's it's a really super easy process uh, and, uh, you can, you can donate don't, that Don't
1: way. Don't misspell it to minge because it's going to go someplace totally different.
0: Oh no, let's still go to the gingers. Yes.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Sure. Everybody's has got that one out there. Oh man. Okay. We need to quit before Josh turns So PC Pro.com
0: slash mining. Uh the other the other URL to know is PC Pro.com slash podcast. It's where you can find the show notes, the video, the RSS, the MP3 files, uh any like if you want to direct download the video files, all that stuff is available there. Um if you're not already. And also it has a little reminder about PC Pro.com slash live and our Wednesday uh ten p.m. Eastern, seven p.m. Pacific schedule uh for all that. So thank you for everybody for hanging out tonight. Uh, and getting through uh, some major processor discussions. Uh, but, uh, hey, it's exciting times. Mm-hmm. It's exciting times. That's all I got. I'm Ryan Shrout. I'm Jeremy Elstrom.
1: I'm Josh Walrus.
2: And I'm Alan Malventano.
0: Bye, everybody. Uh Intel's Intel's spokesperson apparently said we take all competitors seriously. And while Andy is trying to re-enter the server market segment, Intel continues to deliver 20 plus years of unarrangement data center innovation. Uh it's their Xeon is proven and battle tested, uh wide range of workloads, specifically designed to maximize data center performance, capabilities, reliability, and manageability. With our next gen Xeon scalable, we expect to continue offering the highest core system. Uh, system performance versus AMD's. AMD's approach of stitching together four desktop Dyna processors expected to lead to inconsistent performance and other deployment oh. complexities in the data center. Which is exactly what they told us uh, when I was out there last week. Um, tough words from people that invented hyperthreading. Well, th- so then... If best yet, Pentium D utilized
1: the GTL Plus bus to communicate yep. between their cores, which was... Slow.
0: Didn't Intel publicly announce that, like, two generations from now, they were going to do a multi die package for Xeon? They were going well, to have I to? Th-
1: I think it's <laughs> Xeon and plus the uh, uh, their GPU multi. What is it? Uh, the Knights Corner, Knights Lake, Knights Crossing. You're, you're talking landing, about the.
0: Crossing. You're talking about the. the yeah, the, they're going to the, have the you know, CPU
1: plus kind of yeah. their GPU and a package yeah. that. We'll have memory on there as well, and
0: I also I do I I I do take I don't know I do take um like the they've been Intel's been very heavy handed with the stitching together four desktop dies um, whereas AMD will will swear that the Zen architecture was designed for server and if anything it was adapted down to consumer spaces the other way. Well, I mean the And, and they said they said very openly like they. They could not make the thirty-two core processor today on a single monolithic die because there are no the the lithography equipment doesn't have a reticle that size. Now I don't I don't oh, have to verify the heat that. The would be insane. No, I mean it, it it could it could I mean you can Intel you could do is, it, but
1: it's going to be an eight hundred millimeter square yeah. part because so each yeah. each uh, Zen is what a hundred and ninety five millimeter square. 192? I, don't know, I don't know the answer to that off the top of my head. Somewhere yeah. I mean you could you could cut stuff out because. You know, you've got Southbridge functions in each die, but those are relatively small as compared to the rest of it. So yeah, it's it's you know supposedly what Nvidia is doing with their their top end Volta stuff mm. that are you know eight hundred millimeters squared that they're talking
3: about, but until we can get the calipers out and it, measure it, that, crap. It, I mean I it, uh, Josh can probably correct me on this, but the Opteron six thousand series, the Interlago stuff was kind of just shoving two bulldozer CPUs together in one package, right?
1: Yeah, it was used in hyper transport.
3: Yeah, so to, like uh, this is some like something AMD has been doing. And I packages have been around for a long time. I mean yeah, that's, how, got, that's oh, how we got that's sure. how we
0: got two core processors to begin yeah, with. That's where we got Pentium
3: D. Yeah. Sure, sure. But the Optron six thousand yeah. was it looks like kind of the analog to Threadripper. It was two AM3 processors Stacked sure. together, essentially, on an LGA. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Don't get me wrong. There, so there are there are benefits to having a single monolithic die, and if you look at like latencies between die are going to come into play, right? And it's all about what workloads that affects. Um, but there, the, you know, AMD talked about the benefit the benefits of having the four die package is that they could they could get more transistors onto a processor without than they could if they went to a single monolithic die, mm-hmm. right? Because there's, there's no, there was no reticle big enough to, to do what they wanted to do. Um, they, right. get the, they get the financial benefit of having this incredibly high yield because they can now sort very well, right? Um, they get uh, – uh, what was the other? There was a third, there was a third point to this. Full cool story, huh? Um, uh, probably
1: you're going to expand out the, the heat – yeah, that wasn't because it's all not one monolithic die; they're four spread out.
0: Um, okay. hang on. Talk amongst yourselves. I got my notes in here. I the mean, next thing
3: you know, you got like microfluidic channels going through <laughs> your damn CPU on water cooling just to try and keep it at a reasonable temperature. Right, which would be interesting to try and pull off. So, Josh, what it though- actually
1: might make the 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 substrate and pinouts a little bit easier to design around. Mm-hmm. Without
3: a monolithic die. Sure. True. But go ahead, Ken. Would a theoretical... Uh, well, I guess they've announced it. Zen plus Vega APU be using Infinity Fabric to link the two together? Probably, Probably not. Would it be
1: a, unless they built that directly into the Vega architecture. Um,
3: well, I mean, Infinity Fabric from what is... what I
1: understand, Infinity Fabric is... Um, it's a way of packaging data to go over the p c i express lanes okay I, I, and so in theory they st- could st- they could get vega to do that
0: i still uh i th- the a i heard from a a friend of a friend who talked to <laughs> Forrest. i think it was forrest norod, who's like the v p of this said that the, yeah. the 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 connection the inter in infinity fabric in this instance is an evolution of hyper transport. Over PCIe, mm-hmm.
3: How's the evolution of hypertransport yeah, okay. when they so bought a, Infinity so a, Fabric from someone else? They didn't buy Infinity Fabric. Yeah, they did. C yeah, micro. They did. That's the yeah, C-Micro. That's uh, micro
0: I think that was... Wasn't that something different?
3: No. Well, uh, was. I still I still originally, believe, yes. yes but, but I think, I think they built off really of it. Yeah, I guess they could I mean, have built off of it.
1: I think it's yeah. an extension of yeah. what C-Micro offered.
3: It yeah. would just seem highly odd that it would be... And the next evolution of hyper transport when they bought the underlying tech from someone. We, we developed we our own fabric technology, and we'll just buy these guys that have a different <laughs> one. Maybe the depends. No, Knight, Knight is right. Uh, Freedom Fabric is ah.
0: what it was called. From okay. Yeah, okay, that's, oh, that's yeah. a good name. Yeah. Okay. So, so I was correct. Yeah. Freedom. On, guys. And as well, far as far as I know, they really don't use anything that they purchased from C Micro in any of their designs anymore. Like that. That okay. was kind of a flop.
3: Maybe a bad so, acquisition. Though. Maybe it was. Huh.
0: Uh all right everybody that's it we're going to close out for the evening If you enjoyed this content consider supporting in-depth technical content by contributing at patreon.com/pcper